0: Okay. <clears throat> so today, I have the. I'm taking a good opportunity. This is a good opportunity to visit you, my fellow Dhamma practitioners, and particularly uh, that means Venerable Ajahn Yana Dhamma, who uh, who practiced together with me in the old days in Wat Nong Pong. He too is a disciple, a direct disciple of uh, Ajahn Chah and uh, I also share Ajahn Chah, he, Ajahn Chah is also my Upajaya so we have the same uh, Ajahn together and today uh, I've been invited to uh, speak and share Dhamma with the community to speak with the monks, the novices, the bhikkhus, and the lay people all of you have made a firm determination to practice and you've had you have enough faith to go forth in this Buddha's dispensation. Although you're all from uh, different places, and you have many different reasons for coming to ordain, in a sense, this is a test of your faith. How much faith do you have, and do you have enough faith to uh, carry on this path? So we've had enough now to to go forth, to leave the home life, but now we're seeking that true peace of mind. In the past when we were living in the world there were many things, uh, objects, material objects which we used to, to find our happiness. But the mind was never really very peaceful. The Dhamma Vinaya, this Buddhist teaching, this is a way to, tr- to, to find true peace and that true peace is the ultimate happiness of mind. Lumpur Cha sought this. He made a determination to realize Magapala Nibbana and he studied with teachers like Lumpur Man in the Isan, the northeast of Thailand. He struggled and persevered with all obstacles. Ajahn Chah taught us and he explained very clearly that for him to realize the Dhamma was no easy thing. There were many obstacles in his practice particularly things like fear which came up when living in charnel grounds and cemeteries and fearful places. (coughs) And so he taught us this and different people when they heard this could uh, see the value then of his teachings in different ways. I myself was moved to tears when I heard about his struggle and learnt about what he went through and I would experience great joy thinking about it This is the real peace, the real happiness that he was teaching He laid out very clearly the path of practice that the Krupa Ajans had all taught before him We have what's called the core call Wat the ways of practicing, the, the routine, the discipline This includes things like morning and evening chanting, emphasizing harmony of the Sangha. What this means is that we have to give up our own desires and put them aside in order to carry out and emphasize the communal activities. We put aside our own personal activities and develop respect for one another. Particularly here, Tanajanyanadamu is the senior monk, he's the leader of the Sangha. So we have to respect him and he has many other monks who are his helpers who are assisting him. When we first come, there are some things which we like and some things which we don't like. But we have to bear in mind that we all play a role in this community. If we all develop respect for the Sangha, this is what leads to growth. See, we all have different views and opinions. All the monks, the novices, the Pakals and the lay people we all come into this with opinions but are they true? are they accurate? so without, her, without that respect for the korwat and the routine in the monastery we'll always just tend to believe our own views the kurva have experienced this and they learnt how to go against their own defilements by developing sila, samadhi and banya what this does is abandon selfishness develops humility, develops respect. So we put down our own views and we listen to the Kuba Ajams. Sometimes there are things which we perhaps don't understand or don't agree with right now, but in time, we often learn to realize that they're true. When we train in the core work or the uh, pr- procedures, the, the practices, the routine here, this is a basis which leads to us, uh, leads to the arising of right view, and this develops a state of mind which is a malleable, which is ready to yield and accept instruction. Our mind, uh, when we really begin to practice, we see that we can really use this to make the mind peaceful. The the real uh, skillful means, the upaya is what we call the kamatana and that's what the Upajaya gives us uh, when we ordain as novices hair of the head, hair of the body nails, teeth and skin and we contemplate this and recite it and forward in forward and reverse order Anuloma, patiloma. Ajahn Chah would always emphasize this when he gave ordination he would say that it's a very special time when uh, sons of families, uh, young men from go forth from the uh, household life and, and ordain with him, and he would, he would emphasize this teaching a lot, asubhakamatana and kaya katasati, contemplation of the body, in such a way that he made the ordination ceremonies, not just a, a hollow uh, ceremony or just a hollow ritual. This is called developing samatha, using these five kamatanas, or the five bases of practice. You contemplate the body, the external body, in the state of asubha, of uh, unattractiveness. You contemplate the external body and you see that it's covering an internal body, the organs inside, and all of it is patikula, it's repulsive or unattractive. As a result then, the mind just simply becomes peaceful. It abandons the sense of desire and delighting in one's own body or the body of other people's. Peace arises. Another good contemplation is maranasati, death contemplation. Again this is samatha, this is calming the mind in a way where the mind no longer uh, when the mind is no longer busy or stressed out or confused. When you think of death then immediately your problems uh, are the, your problems are lessened. Asubhakamatana then and Maranasati, death contemplation, both lead to peace of mind. We also have Anapanasati, mindfulness of breathing. All of these are skillful means which lead the mind, incline the mind to states of peace. But when we first come to ordain and begin to practice, our minds aren't used to being peaceful. We've rarely been fully in the present moment and we've usually uh, lived our lives following our moods and desires. So this is a real task which faces us, is to practice to keep our mind firmly in the present moment. Whether we're sitting or walking, we have to keep our mind in the present moment. When you're walking, you can pick up the kamatha, kesa, loma, naktha, danta, kacho or bones, atti, atti, atti or buddha, Dhamma sangho whatever you find works for you in order to make the mind peaceful and inclined towards samadhi what happens is the proliferation, the brumthang will slowly decrease and fade away. And for some people it's good to actually use proliferation and thinking uh, if, sorry, if, if you're of the nature to think a lot and speculate and proliferate then you can actually use your thinking process in a, in a skillful way in a way which calms your mind down you can, you can, you can contemplate, you can think having born, we all must die and think, well what does that mean to you? what would it be like when you die? what's this body like? when it dies, or one day, or two days, after death, after a day it's bloated and swelling and uh, begins to rot and decay, it has worms, after two or three days it deteriorates, after a while you can see the bones, so these are contemplations we can bring to mind, things we've studied, so you can contemplate or proliferate using a suba as your base. This is called using sanyao, memories and perceptions, things that you've seen, uh, images that you see or reflections that you, uh, that you bring to mind. At first, it's probably the case that limiters or mental images of the body won't appear. You're just using your memories and perceptions, bringing these up as thoughts. But this definitely reduces the delighting and infatuation in the body and the mind becomes peaceful and light. So when you practice contemplating like this for a long, long time, uh, peace eventually becomes uh, greater and more stable and in time it's possible that limiters, visual images of the body will arise. So you practice this sitting and walking. what would always say when somebody really practiced like this, that was a real practitioner. And you practice evenly and when you do so over a long time, that real aspiration that we've made that is for true peace of mind, it must come in time. We have to be restrained when we are eating. Whatever we like, whatever we find delighting in, we have to abandon that. Those things that we don't particularly like, we have to take those on, eat those things in order to go beyond delighting in taste. We have the Jutonga practice of eating just everything mixed together in one vessel. Or perhaps you take on the Chudong practice practice of eating only your arms food. These are all practices which go against the farmer. When you eat very little, the mind becomes peaceful. You contemplate food as merely elements, empty or in their their aspect of repulsiveness. When you begin to know this, you begin to understand practice. Lopo stressed that when you really understand food, you understand the rest of practice. This is because this body and mind comes together, arises, uh, supported by material food. There's a teaching called the Apanaka Padibadha, the uh, incontrovertible teaching, or the the, the practice which is always correct. And these are moderation in eating, uh, moderation in resting and sleep, and the central strength, Sense restraint means understanding the six sense bases. We have eye, ear, nose, tongue, body and mind. And externally there are sight, sounds, smells, tastes, touches. What does it feel like when these two come into contact with, with one another? Is there delighting and pleasure, or is there aversion? What exactly happens? So we learn to understand this and we always come back to a subha kamatana, seeing the body as unattractive the ten states of corpse decomposition or the thirty-two parts of the body. We have to contemplate it all. We have to try and keep this going throughout the day. During all activities. When we are on arms round, when we are doing our chores, when we are washing our robes. This is what we have to do and slowly we will develop and get more proficient in this. Everyone has doubts about practice when we first begin. We all want our practice to be quick and easy, and we speculate about the Dhamma. Rinpoche taught us to be in the present moment all the time. See the present moment as arising and passing away. The five nivaramas, sensuality, ill will, sloth and torpor, restlessness and doubt, these are the real obstacles to practice. And when the mind becomes peaceful, finally these five environments, the five hindrances will finally be abandoned and then the mind is is fresh and ready to turn to contemplation or develop vipassana. There are two aspects or two ways or modes that we can practice if you like. One is called wisdom developing samadhi and the other is called samadhi developing wisdom. For the first case, if someone is uh, of the nature to proliferate and speculate and think a lot, then taking up the uh say buddo dhammo sango or keisa it won't work for us because very soon the mind will get restless and won't be able to stay with such a simple object. So we have to we have to find skillful means, our own bias, in order to contemplate, in order to lead the mind towards samadhi. At first, the samādhi that arises based on contemplation won't be very strong because it's based on just uh, perceptions and thoughts. But we will get a sense of well-being that arises from the peace of mind. The mind will be temporarily freed from that burden of speculation. And when we see this, that will incline us to practice in this way more and more often. That peace of mind will lead to a reduction of our environments uh, or, or uh, hindrances. And so this is the, the first way, the, the basic way to, to practice for somebody who speculates a lot. We call this Panya samadhi or wisdom develops samadhi. So when we train in this way, using wisdom to develop samadhi or panya samadhi regularly, when the mind does uh, attain, realize a certain level of concentration or peace, then many of the doubts which we have and many of the problems will slowly fade away. And similarly these questions about the various ways to practice and the techniques, all of these fade away and finally end. So it's because when it's natural that when we start we do have uh, many doubts. We may think that perhaps if we were to live alone this would be very beneficial because we wouldn't have to uh, have so much contact with other people, and we'd be able to practice in exactly the way which is just right for us. And then when looking and, and seeing how, what community life is like, we see it's all very confusing and chaotic, and uh, not really conducive to peace. So we might really think what we have to do is seek some duvaka or solitude. But often when we finally do that, we do live alone or we go on retreat. Earth, it's just not how we thought it would be. The mind doesn't attain to much peace because when we when we first come to practice, what we need and what we're developing is these tools. The Vinaya is like a tool. The Kowa is a tool. These are all the things which we need to use. Similarly, with these bhutanga Watas, the tudon practices, the ascetic practices, we have to use them in order to help us strive to attain that samadhi. If the mind is not peaceful, then the mind will always be uh, going uh, and moving and climbing towards the outside world. But if we really determine to develop using our wisdom and develop in samadhi, then in time our mindfulness, our concentration and the the five balas or the five powers, the faith, effort, mindfulness, um, wisdom um, will, will, will arise. Um, we may have doubts about our communal life Uh, and we may think that it doesn't really lead to uh, realization of nirvana and we may think that the uh, individual individual life is better what we have to understand is that uh, the the, uh, communal gathering let's say uh, gathering and, and being together in harmony externally this leads to the internal gathering or the internal harmony so external gathering uh, this means uh, meetings, uh, the communal activities, these kind of things. These are things which uh, monks who say who are, who are Ajans, who are leaders of the Sangha, they could, they could practice on their own and, and they could easily set up a, a core of just individual practice. But they've decided to, to have communal, a communal way of, of living and communal ways of practicing. This is the benefit, this is because it's beneficial to the younger members. They have the understanding that uh, meeting and gathering externally leads to gathering uh, internally that's to say when the mind gathers. Sometimes sometimes there may be a period when uh, we have the opportunity to practice individually say for 15 days between oppositors and then we come together on the oppositor. But if you've been doing that then you have to be really honest and ask yourself how has your practice really been during that retreat period? How how much have you, have you been really on retreat or have you been finding people to chat to? Have you been sleeping a lot? Have you been eating a lot? So for some people private practice can be beneficial but for others their injuries or their spiritual faculties can weaken or going to decline. So we always have to come back to the community and use the community as a point of reference. There are some monks who are very developed and it's all right for them. Using this method of uh, wisdom to uh, develop samadhi, the environment or the uh, hindrances are slowly abandoned and you can compare this to say water in a well which at first is stirred up but then, same time when the impurity is settled becomes clear. You can see the mind behaving in this way growing gradually clearer and you begin understand how it works. But so first there's always a lot of brumphang that means uh, proliferation and speculation and then there's lots of uh, problems arise and questions and doubts. But if you really put forth effort in the core work and practicing in line with the general uh, standards in time it gets better. We walk, we sit and we do these communal activities right the way uh, through the afternoon uh, the chores in the afternoon we do that then and then uh, have a drink, and, and have our ba- bathe and then do evening chanting. And when evening chanting is over, we carry on practicing alone or rest, and then there's morning chanting, binda the meal, so it, it carries on like this. We have, we have our daily routine, but all the time we're training in, um, some, uh, in restraint, and guarding our sense faculties, and being cautious. Uh, in every aspect of life, not being heedless in any way. So we always have to ask ourselves: Are we uh, falling? Is our mind falling into uh, delight and aversion? We're gradually training in sila, samadhi, and Vanya. At first, though, the Vanya will be weak because samadhi is weak. In time, though, we really understand about. Uh, about the difference between conventional and absolute reality. We understand that the world we're living in is very much a conventional world, but really everything is simply uh, simply bound up and subject to three characteristics. Anicham, we see this slowly, and panya and slowly, slowly grow as we abandon that attachment to ourselves. And sometimes our mind can see this very clearly. And for many days we can be uh, clearly seeing things as they really are and greed, hatred and delusion uh, we can feel is greatly lessened or even abandoned so when we have these moments or these periods our real wisdom and understanding of this practice will increase our faith in this practice will increase and wisdom and samadhi will, will gradually increase so we'll see how it really does lead to good results so for now we do have to make very firm uh, our efforts be very resolute. So the, the last thing Tanajan kind of was saying was that this uh, understanding how the external uh, gathering of harmony externally leads to internal harmony, this is the way to realize and attain peace of mind. But sometimes wisdom simply doesn't arise. We have more of a sense of self, more of a belief in the solidity of existence. There seems to be no uh, samadhi present in the mind. When, the, uh, when our mind, the internal sense bases, contact, external, sight, sounds, smells, tastes, touches, uh, we don't have enough mindfulness or wisdom uh, to control ourselves and as a result clinging and craving attachments arise, uh, uh, delighting and aversion. Often we become averse to other people and even averse towards ourselves. Longpo was very emphatic, this is not the uh, right way uh, to allow yourself to go. We have to uh, develop Meta. We have to view one another in the light that we are all living here together. We are all disciples of the Buddha. And in coming to a day now, as if we have no mother, no father, we only have each other to look after us. And none of us wants any suffering. So we have to understand and view each other in a similar way. So we develop metta. We can make a determination every day. Today I won't allow anger to arise in my mind. But perhaps sometimes because we're all from different places and we have different backgrounds There may be some problems and misunderstandings arising because of different temperaments. And some of us may have a lot of uh, dittimana be very opinionated and hold firmly to our own views and opinions. And as a result, sila, samadhi and vanya just doesn't arise. So we also have to have kanti or patient endurance. We have to endure each other and at the same time develop metta or loving kindness for one another as well as all the other Brahma Viharas. So when there's none of this uh, delighting and aversion then finally the mind will become peaceful. So whatever it is, whether you're developing Meta, Asubha Kaya Gita or anapanasati Sati, whatever method, it must be a practice which leads to peace of mind. And when you have a certain amount of Samadhi, You'll be able to see the body very clearly in the light of three characteristics. The wisdom arises slowly and soon the Dhamma itself will become clear. But in the meantime it takes a lot of patient endurance. Dhamma can't arise in the mind, the mind can't uh, attain to the enlightenment uh, and real insight, penetration into Dhamma very quickly imagine compare it to when you're young you you go to school and you study for 10 15 even more years in order to understand about the world it's the same with, with Dhamma, you can't possibly uh, you can't possibly become parent very quickly so it takes patient endurance we have to be determined to seek the peace of mind to follow the to respect the senior monks and uh, and also to divide are the responsibility to share, share the workload amongst ourselves. Lung Ho taught us, had a teaching where he would say, we're all the abbot, we're all the Jawa Here, of course, you have Panjanyanadhamma, who's the, who really is the Jawaat and so is the most senior monk who takes most of the responsibility. But if all of us see ourselves as also the Jawa then we share in his responsibility. If you study the Vinaya, you'll see many things clearly as well. It will teach you to be one of few desires, one, of, one who's restrained and one who's humble, taking on the Tudong practices. These are very beneficial. And then when you go off and you live in, uh, say, uh, cremation grounds or charnel grounds, or alone in mountains or in dangerous places, this will bring on a heightened mindfulness, a heightened awareness, and this will lead to Samadhi. Your mind will finally be able to separate itself out from those moods and those uh, those thoughts in the mind. When we go off alone you then have to take those teachings that you've heard and really put them into practice. That, that effort in practice leads to an arising of faith which in turn leads to more effort. The mind will be firm and that itself leads to more effort and more mindfulness and we're able to struggle and endure unwholesome mental states. We'll see very clearly these uh, these insights into the Dhamma that we all must die. And if that's the case, how can there be any kind of self? The mind becomes peaceful and wisdom arises. Then, after a period of learning, you maybe come back to the Kumbhajjana and seek help and seek guidance and go off again. But whether you're alone. Or whether you're in the community, never abandon or never give up the uh, attention to the core. Be very careful and be very restrained in your, all your daily life. One advantage of living together is that uh, we can um, admonish each other, we can give each other reflections, and, and so help each other. But when you are alone, you can't do this. So when you're living alone, you have to be doubly careful. You have no one to rely on. What do you have to do. Just keep making the mind more and more peaceful and see that the body is simply the body, that these elements are simply elements, that it's all impermanent suffering and no self. Keep penetrating this. You can separate the mind out from its attachment to this body. You see very clearly, there really is no self. How could there be one? And the mind slowly gathers internally. Problems and doubts will fade away. The Buddha, Dhamma, Sangha, it's actually right here in our hearts right up close. We have, we have enough faith to ordain. We've seen the danger already in samsara. And what we have to understand is we're walking the path of putta, the path of enlightenment, or the path of awakening. All the time when we're doing morning chanting, bindabha, eating, going about our, our daily life, we have putta, awakening, right up here, close to our heart. So this has been a nice opportunity. Tanajanyana Dāmos invited me to visit all of you and spend some time uh, here having a Dhamma sharing. These days we have lots of uh, the teachings of Lumpur Cha, we've got all kinds of tapes and books. But don't think that the uh, the wisdom that's contained in those things, in those books or in, in those tapes, will, will arise very easily in your own lives. Not by reading them or listening to them. It's only through real practice. There will only be, we will only realize the, the fruits if we are we are really determined, if we've made our hearts very firmly set on the path of practice. And if we have, then we will one day really experience for ourselves the true uh, the true teachings, or the true liberation. We will attain that peace of mind and we will understand the Dhamma. So today may all of you receive the fruits of your practice and slowly grow in the Dhamma.